Not if I'm with my other babes. That wouldn't be cool. I don't want to break their hearts. So we ought to have like a signal. A password. Okay, what's the password? You got it. Got what? The password. Password is what? Exactly. The password is exactly? No, it's... Hold it, hold it. Slow down. The babe walks in. You see her. I see her. You come get me. I come get you. And I probably have a couple of sexes on standby. So you glide by me and you say what? Okay. The password is okay? Fire alarm concern. Damn it, say the password. What? I say the password, onion here. The password is what? That's what I'm asking you. It's the password. The password is it? The password is what? It. You just said so. The password isn't it. The password is what? Got it. I got it. Right. It or right. over there yeah you're looking good it's a nice tie i like it uh my name's ian loring and welcome to dude and a monkey episode 41 this week i am joined by as always my lovely faithful co-host mark foster hello everybody there how are you, you nearly missed his cue i did a little bit yeah <laughs> smooth smooth we're keeping it we're keeping it chilled and on the lowdown tonight. I don't know why. I just felt like it. And uh, we're going to be reviewing Jim Mickle's latest, uh, director of Stakeland and Mulberry Street, or as it's known in the UK, virus on Mulberry Street, even though it's not a, really a virus. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, his uh, remake of a uh, uh, foreign language film, uh, I think it's Mexican, <laughs> uh, We Are What We Are, uh, also titled We Are What We Are. Uh, we'll also be talking about some one-on-one new uh, and some trailers and whatnot. Uh, no marathon this week. As we said uh, last week, we hadn't decided what the marathon was going to be called and what it was going to be and what the films were going to be. But um, we've had uh, a fair few suggestions for names and films and whatnot to cover, and we've certainly taken some of them on board. Uh, so, Mark, first off, would you like to announce the title... Pardon me, the title of the next marathon. I, I will once I remember what it was. Smooth. <laughs> it, it, we are doing Talking in a Genre Wonderland. 
that was uh, Noel Mello's suggestion. Noel was obviously on last week. Uh, talking of genre Wonderland, we also very, very seriously considered Ding Dong Marathon on High, which was uh, from Glenn T. Chapman, which uh, we, we, we both liked. And uh, we were originally kind of planning on doing one marathon that was more kind of genre film Christmas-based, and then a marathon that was going to be more generally Christmas film-based. But... Um, then, we, like, I, I kind of remembered, well, you know, I, my, my wife's due to give birth in less than six weeks. So uh, the general what the shit is actually going to happen with the show around December is still up in the air. Obviously, it decided it, it's all up to when the little girl makes her appearance. Um, but we, you know, I, I think we're going to be good for at least the next four weeks. Uh, I, I, I think that's pretty safe. That takes us up to week 38, which I think is probably squeaky bum time. Um, so at least the next four weeks, we will be doing uh, the show as normal and uh, including the marathon talking in a genre wonderland. Um, now, it, it, we've we've got six that we are. Uh, that, well, actually, we'll probably have more, like depending on how how many films we can actually get through. It's going to be a bit of a slightly higgledy piggledy marathon, but we'll we'll see how we go. Now, the ones that what are the ones we definitely know we're going to do, Mark, to put you on the spot. Um, we're definitely going to do uh, next week, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, um, which is a great kind of solid kind of noirish entry into the. Uh, Christmas uh, genre kind of vibe we're going for. And thanks to, uh, uh, thanks to Chris Byrne for suggesting it, by the way. So, yes, some good suggestions there. Um, other ones we're definitely, without question, going to cover. We're going to cover uh, Black Christmas at some point. Um, and, you know, ones that we're more kind of... We're thinking about at the moment. Yeah, we're looking at Batman Returns. We're also looking at Rare Exports. Uh, and what else to be added on our I, list? I, I defo want to do Silent Night, Deadly Night. We're, yes, we're, we're definitely doing Silent Night, Deadly Night. Um, so, and Jingle All yeah, The Way. And we're definitely doing Jingle All The Way. So those are the four that we're defo uh, doing? They're the four that we're defo doing, yeah. Uh, mainly because I, I absolutely adore Jingle All The Way. Um, so we'll defo do those four. If we get a chance to, we'll also be covering Batman Returns, which was another suggestion from Chris, and Rare Exports of Christmas Tale, which was a suggestion by Jeremiah S. So uh, thanks, uh, thanks all for contributing. Um, and de- just dependent on if if we go overdue or whatever, we might co- uh, cover more. Uh, we'll also say the Streets of Fire commentary uh, will be recorded at some point soon and will be released as one of the fill-in episodes for uh, when I'm essentially on paternity leave. Uh, I'm not planning on being on leave from the show for that long, uh, but it, you know, it depends. Streets of Fire will be probably be like a little Christmas present from us to you. So last last year the uh, Christmas commentary was Alex Cross, I believe. And, <laughs> it was indeed. And, um, I can't believe that was already nearly a year ago. That's crazy. Uh, uh, that, that, it, sorry, go on. It is. It, I mean, I mean, it is actually um, next week. It's our birthday, isn't it? Next week. It, fucking hell! Yeah, you're probably right. Actually, it is our birthday. Um, it will be the week of uh, a year since our first show. Our first show was released on, I believe, the 11th of November. How the shit are we only on 41? How have we dropped 11 weeks? We we had a bit of few... We we had, like, weddings and shit, didn't we? Oh, yeah, no, I suppose so. We've been pretty regular for the second half of the year. 
Yeah, we had 11th of November. We At one point, we didn't have a show between... I, I love that you're looking took, this up, by the way. And I'm we, took, we took a couple of weeks off in March. Oh, my stand. Um, and then uh, we had nearly... We had, we're between... We had about two and a bit weeks off for Mike's wedding. Okay. Uh, so, yeah... So there, we, we kind of lost a few shows. Oh, there. fair enough. Um, so, wow, fucking hell. And, and, and to be honest, during that period, we're on episode 41. We didn't count the first episode, so that'd be 42. Um, oh, it was episode zero, we, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, and we've had like a couple of commentaries that we hadn't counted actual episodes. Oh, fair play. Um, we, 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 didn't, we didn't chin stroke and punter it. Did we? We, we didn't. For a period, it, period if, if Mike, you know, Mike recorded like outtakes and put them out there, then they and said, "Oh, it's in an episode." Oh yeah, okay, okay, fair enough. No, <laughs> fair enough. Um, so wow, shit it off. Um, and uh, by the way, folks, I mean like the if if you're like a new listener or whatever, um, I think all the episodes uh, are still there. Good old Libsyn, they actually kind of let you archive them all, so they are all available to download. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, there's. I don't know. The show hasn't changed that much over the last year, but um, I think we've gotten into a good groove and we know what we're doing. We generally fire on all cylinders. I know this is a bit, a bit, been a bit of a all over the place intro, but um, yeah, well, um, but we'll say I don't know. We'll do some more happy birthday shit next week. If anyone wants to send any emails, you know, wishing us happy birthday and and talking about stuff, that would be nice. Yeah, you know, yeah, fucking date rapists, as um, yeah. as Mike would say. You non-email sending bastards, you. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I should, I should, have you checked the email? You could be saying this. Yeah, do you know what? I'm literally just doing it right now because <laughs> I suddenly thought. Also, one other thing while I'm doing this: if anyone knows of an alternative way of recording internet conversations without using Skype, please let us know. Uh, apparently, Call Graph is going to be unusable with Skype as of next month, and. Uh, yeah, they are a bunch of uh, non-email writing bastards, by the way. Uh, but, um, yeah, uh, Skype's <laughs> going to stop letting us use Call Graph next month, apparently. And I'm looking at Google Hangout type stuff, but we'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, but yeah, um, you know, never know. Maybe we'll do that and kind of. I like the idea of broadcasting the show live and then kind of putting up a more polished version afterwards, and just. Yeah, that- that, that 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 could work. You know, because, I mean, like, in terms of, like, outtakes and shit like that, we don't actually have to start it up until we're ready. No. You know, so, um, but, yeah. So. And, 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 and we, don't, we don't have to cut that much out. We're not actually that offensive. No, I mean, to... to oh, and we, we leave most of our offensive stuff Well, in, well I mean, to be fair, if people listen live or whatnot, there, there, there'd probably be people who wouldn't be too offended by that stuff anyway. I mean, the only reason why we cut stuff out... I mean, I'd, like, I'd, I think I'd cut a couple of moments out, but... Like, I, I generally, no. I mean, like, the only thing I can really think of I've cut out recently was 35mm Heroes when I um, likened um, uh, Eli Roth and Aftershock to um, uh, a cancer victim, uh, which got, I, I think I got a little bit full on there. But um, I don't think I've done too much on Doing the Monkey. Anyway, uh, at Ian Loring, at Dude Foz, at Dude the Monkey, Dude the Monkey at gmail.com, send us some emails. It sounds like I'm begging, I pretty much am. But, you know, hey, we got a good listenership, so fuck it. Mark, should we get started? Let's let's kick this in the fucking nuts. Yeah! Yeah! Well, you've been watching uh, Trailer Wise this week, Mark. 
Uh, well, we actually recorded, like, what, four days ago, three days yeah, ago? Yeah, yeah, Wednesday night. <laughs> and, um, yeah. fucking now it's come out, really. Um, I watched the couple. Have you? Yeah, well, I watched the Only Lovers Left Alive trailer. I didn't watch that. Uh, the Jim Jamush, um, one with, um, Tom Hiddleston and Tilda Swinton. Um, Looks very good. Uh, Mia Wasikowski looks like she's from a completely different film in it, uh, and that film looks crap. Uh, but I love Jim Jamu's film, so I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, um, it's, it, it's Tommy Lustin without his shirt on for pretty much an entire film, so uh, I, I, I'm good to go with that. Um, I watched a trailer for the film We Are What We Are, uh, but we're going to discuss that. Later. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. okay. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, so that one's pretty much fucking, you know, redundant. Um, Mindscape, the new Mark Strong film. See, I haven't seen this either. You say fucking there wasn't anything much, and then you come out with all this stuff, making me look bad. You <laughs> Um, I, I was actually just thinking um, before I watched this Mindscape trailer fuck it's been a while since Mark Strong did anything because there was a period a couple of years ago when he was basically in every film wasn't that mm. um, and then I watched the trailer for Mindscape and thought fuck I, I just no I want you to do something else is he the bad guy uh, no he's not the bad guy he's the good guy in this oh. one he plays a psychiatrist um, he looks very good but the film looks very I like bad. the way that you you say he's a good guy, he plays a psychiatrist, like all psychiatrists are good guys. Well, of course they are. They're just here to help. What else, uh, what else was that? Uh, that was that's, that was pretty much it. Um, I wanted to watch the uh, trailer for Labor Day, but then I just kept forgetting. I could not be less interested in that film. Um, I, I want to watch the trailer, but I'm... It, I don't know. It just looks... From the from what I've read about it, it just sounds very dull. I tell you what, Jason Reitman, that sorry, case that was a, he was a case of Emperor's New Clothes, if ever there fucking was one. You know, I mean, I, I mean, Juno and Up in the Air got serious awards buzz and did and did really well, and then Young Adult came out like a fucking damp fart, and now this, which <sighs> doesn't doesn't seem to have impressed anyone, and it just I I could not give a fuck about his films. I I. Whatever. Yeah, Juno for me is one of those films where I, I enjoy it when I first watched it, but the more years go by, the more I think, do you know what? Really hope I never see it. It's Juno. fucking bobbins, mate. Juno is bobbins. Yeah, it, it, it's. It, I, I imagine that it's the sort of thing where if I watch it in like four or five years' time, I'm going to go. I, that is horrible. I tell you what, I like I, I liked it enough the first time I watched it, and then I I tried watching it again when it was on like film four or something, and I got half an hour in, and I was just like, I got I, I obviously got sucked in by the hype first time round. Then I'll hold my hands up and admit that it irked me. It irked me. I was irked so much. There was maximum irkage. Well, I mean, I I watched uh, Juno for the first time. I borrowed it off somebody at work. Uh, when I worked at, uh, with people um, and then I enjoyed it I bought it for £3 from HMV uh, one Christmas and it's still in its wrapper and I bought that like the Christmas it came out for £3 not like a year or two ago uh, and it's still in its wrapper and it, it'll never get open I might just give it to my nephew for Christmas because nice. yeah. you hate your nephew well, actually, now it works. I've already bought my steel book, to be honest. But I might just give him it anyway. Nice. 
Cool. Uh, what, what what have you seen then, trailer wise? Um, well, I said I thought I'd seen quite a few, um, but there's only one that I can actually remember. I'm trying. I'm, I'm desperately looking to see because I swear I must have forgotten some. But then, yeah, we had, did only record on Wednesday, so uh, uh, oops. Uh, yeah, no, okay, fine. I yeah, only one I watched. Never mind. Uh, Lego Movie second trailer, uh, which. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it looks fantastic. It, it, I mean, the, the first trailer looked great anyway, but I am, uh, I am bang up for this. Great fucking voice cast. Like, just really, really fun voice cast. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I, it, I don't know, it just looks like a lot of fun. It looks like the guys who did the 21 Jump Street doing another animated movie, and it looks mental and awesome. I, I'm very, very excited. Yeah, it's it just looks like it's gonna work. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, um, exactly. I mean, it it, it kind of looks like they're taking the whole kind of like you can basically do anything you want in this universe. It is like this film is a a kid's giant play box or something, you know. And mm. um, I, I that's that's a great deal of fun to me. And I I I always take Will Ferrell as a bad guy. It, it, you know that that is a win. And the the Batman in this. It looks really fun. Yeah, um, the fact that it's Will Arnett that, that's voicing it as well just kind of helps cap it off a little bit. Doing well. a voice that sounds like he's just taking the piss out of Christian Bale as well. It, it's yeah, which, which for this is fine. Works. Yeah, people, people, when people in films or in TV shows or anything like that say they're going to do a Batman voice or do the Christian Bale Batman voice and then say they're doing the Christian Bale Batman voice. It's that grates the fuck out of me. Well, when they're when they're yeah, actually like, saying, "Oh, look at what this is the thing I'm doing," yeah. explaining the joke. Yeah, sure, okay. Yeah, that, but but Will Arnett just kind of taking that on and doing it like that. That just that fits. And the fact that you've got Channing Tatum, Channing Tatum's going to be Superman again for some reason within this universe, that will fit. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's um. Yeah, it, it just looks like a home run to me, and I never ever thought I'd say that about the Lego Movie, but good on it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I, to be honest, I think that was about it then. So uh, any, any others, Martin, you can think of, or are you done? No, no, that that's it. Uh, I'll, I'll admit to uh, having watched the Wolf of Wall Street trailer a couple more nice. times, and um, watched the uh, Anchorman two second trailer a couple more times as well nice uh, I'm trying to think of what I watched before uh, before the Dark World or Short Term 12 um, uh, oh, I can't remember oh and by the way for the Dark World uh, we'll be talking about in full uh, Noel's back along with me and Jordan on 35mm Heroes uh, should be out around about the same time as this I'd imagine and uh, Short Term 12 I'll talk about in uh, what I watch section on that I'll just say briefly though for the Dark World it's fun. Uh, it's I, I think it's very much in the middle of the Marvel movies in my rankings. Um, Christopher Eccleston's given nothing to do, uh, uh, so there's that. And it, the story is very messy, uh, but the third act's fun, and you know Loki's always a good time. And Short Term Twelve, not quite coming over it the way that uh, a lot of people are. Uh, I had problems with certain aspects of the story, but. It does, for the most part, feel very, very authentic. I can, I can see why a lot of people are giving it love. It's, 
it's one of those films that, you know, it, 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 I think it's going to become the cool one to say, oh, have you seen Short Term 12? Oh, it's marvellous. You know, one of those. But it's got a fair bit of merit to it, so good on it. Um, I, I take it Short Term 12 didn't play near you this weekend. It didn't, unfortunately. Well, oh, it did it unfortunately slash fortunately. I'm not quite sure. Though. Yeah, no, fair, no, fair enough. Um, um, I, I don't know. Um, I just, I think there's, there's becoming too many of of these type of films nowadays. What, what, what do you mean, like the indie film that people really get behind and ram down your throats? Yeah. Yeah, and it, it it kind of it 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 puts me off off wanting to see That's them. Fair. Um, you know, it's it's people going, oh, this is amazing, this is amazing, this is amazing, and I I've just I've been burned far too many times by by that, and I love American indie cinema, but I don't know, it, it's moving like, right. do you know what? I will watch it when I get around to watching it, rather than have people tell me how amazing it is and how great it is, how great it is, and then I sit down and watch it and go. That was, that was fine. Yeah. But it wasn't, it, you know, it wasn't, I shouldn't have rushed out to fucking watch it. Yeah, I mean, like, to be honest, I was kind of, I, I, I was tossing up between this or Philomena, um, you know, just because of, like, all the all the buzz that Philomena's been getting, but then I just figured, short term 12, and judging by the attendance in my screening today, it's only going to be around for a week, and it's nice to give a few quid to a film like that. Yeah, I mean, if, if, it's the sort of thing where, I don't know, it's a little bit like the upstream colour thing. Oh, yeah, 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 See, yeah, yeah. So many people tell me that's amazing, it's amazing, it's amazing, and I'm like, alright, alright, and then a few people start to go, well, is it? And then it starts to go, oh, hang on a minute, wait a minute, I, I've got a lot else I should watch, and I, and I know that I'm a terrible person for saying that, considering some of the shite that I watch, but... It's a little bit like with stuff like that. You can sometimes go, Do you know what? I don't. I need to be in the right frame of mind to watch it because I don't want to watch it and be too tired and a bit grouchy and like that, and then end up taking it out on the film and going, "Well, that was shit," and then missing out on it. Yeah, I. Yeah, I I don't know. I yeah, I mean that that's a very good example of this kind of thing actually. But I mean Jordan, bless him. Like he he wasn't pissing me off or anything at all. But he was really on it with me to watch Upstream Color, and then like forty five minutes in, I just paused it and I texted him. I just say I just I was just like, mate, you're gonna you're gonna wish you didn't push me so hard on this. You know you, you know it's just and it, it I. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna rewatch Upstream Color before the end of the year. But for me, it's this year's Barbarian Sound Studio, where I just don't see the fuss. <laughs> but you know, hey. Uh, but yeah, anyway, uh, there was a tangent. I'm sure Noel liked that one. So uh, let's get into uh, our um, feature review for the week, uh, which is the remake of, uh, of uh, We Are What We Are, also titled We Are What We Are. And uh, here's a clip, and then we'll get into it. You're going to have to take care of them now. You ready for that? I'm the oldest. It's the way it works. The way it's always worked. It just doesn't seem fair. None of it. That's for me to worry about. Not you. 
What if we refuse to do it? We just... We just stop. Us, wouldn't he? I just want to get this over with. And then we have a whole year to figure something out. Just wish that we were like everyone else. Or not. Okay, so that was a clip from We Are What We Are, uh, directed by Jim Mickle and uh, this version written by Jim Mickle and his uh, uh, his writing partner, Nick Dimitri. Uh, stars. I haven't got the IMDb page up, so that was good. It stars Bill Sage. Yep. Julie Garner, Ambrin Childers, uh, Kelly McGuinness, uh, Wyatt Russell and... You've also got in there as well, uh, Michael Park. Yep. Everything's special with Michael Park. Absolutely. Um, story is, um, it, well, basically, it's a family who seem quite religious and they're very, very wholesome and whatnot, but they have a dark side. Uh, they um, have their own kind of ritual, which I think they call Lamb's Day, uh, which involves eating people. Basically, um, it's not a spoiler. Um, and, uh, and, and it's the remake of a film that's, that's, you know, that's three years yeah, old. Yeah, yeah. So, and, um, uh, Michael Parks plays a kind of, uh, a kind of a doctor who works with the police, uh, who finds a fragment of bone, uh, washed up in a river stream and starts investigating it. Uh, Mark, mm. what did you think of We Are What We Are? Um, I thought We Are What We Are uh, was uh, a, a quite pensive film. It's very atmospheric, um, similar to um, Jim Mickey's um, last film, uh, Stakeland, which I'll be honest, I think I said on the podcast last year um, when I spoke about that, I, I knew very little about Stakeland when I went into it, and I thought it was more of a, you know, I thought it was representative of the name. I thought it was a bit of a spoof kind of um, vampire film. Uh, and then was completely wowed by the fact that it wasn't, it was this really atmospheric, brilliant, uh, modern sort of vampire tale. Yeah. Um, and, you know, with, well, yeah, it's definitely that. It's one of those films which, without a question, I think, um, come, came alive in the editing room. The state lines. Um, no, no, we are, okay. yeah. Uh, and the performances are all great. Uh, I, and it, it's a very, very solid film that, takes a giant shit on itself <laughs> in the last five minutes. <laughs> a, a giant, steaming, horrible, to the point of where I, I, the discussion I had with, with my wife during the last five minutes was kind of a little bit embarrassed for this. Yeah. And my response was, was that, that is my feelings exactly. Mm. Um, it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, We'll get to that yeah. bit as we go uh-huh. on, but I'd like to. I think we should focus on. Uh, we'll see what you think about it, and then I, I'll try and focus on some positives sure. that I have for it first. Uh, well, what did you think of We Are We Are? Yeah, I I, I I certainly came to this very excited. I'm a big fan of the original film. Um, I, I thought it was a real standout of the of my first fright fest in 2010. I thought it was fantastic. Um, I oh, can I say as well? I, I did actually rewatch the uh, original. Uh. Okay, uh, what's, uh, what do you think on rewatch? 
Uh, I really liked rewatch. Uh, I, I got it on rewatch. I think the fact that, like I said on the last week's show, I was just a little bit sort of festival fatigued yeah. and a little bit grumpy. I think when I watched it last time, um, so watching it in the right kind of atmosphere, uh, where I watched it uh, last night at about um, midnight, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was uh, similar to this, atmospheric as hell, um, incredibly creepy as well. The original, uh, which I didn't get from this, but then I think I didn't get as much that. From this, because and you, you know where it's going with this, whereas with the the first one, even though I knew where it was going, I still got that that feeling of creepiness towards it, uh, and very very much enjoyed it. Nice, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I so yeah. I mean, I really like the original. I I really really like Mulberry Street and Stateland. I I I, I really have rated Jim Mickle. Um, so mm. I, I maybe I was setting myself up for a fall, frankly. Um, but I came away from this very very apathetic um so it's actually going to be a, a rare case where we kind of sort of disagree um which will be interesting i i will say i tweeted straight afterwards about the end um but i, I didn't see that yeah oh no no i, I can't I, the thing is because you mentioned it I, I, I thought maybe you had i yeah we, I, we'll yeah we'll get to the we'll get to the the final bit um but the, the original is incredibly unique. Uh, I mean, it's quite an idiosyncratic film, and it's full of imagery and ideas that you don't really see every day. And I'm not going to say that you see the stuff in this film every day, but the head of the family going too far and the younger members trying to stop him and trying to get out of it kind of thing, I thought was rather rote um the i mean the director of the originals come out and said that i i think i swear i read it uh, i read it uh, an interview or uh, something where he was quoted as saying that this is the film he would have made and like he wishes he made this film and no nah, mate your yours is yours is uh-huh. perfectly good don't you know you don't yeah. need to say that at all it this feels like a remake for for an American audience, frankly. I think it's kind of disposed of the stuff that made the original more interesting than it would have been otherwise. And, I mean, it, I mean, it, it, you know, the performances are all very good. Um, there, there's there was the moments in there which I thought were effective. I, I thought the opening sequence was excellent, actually. Um, mm. But it just didn't coalesce into a whole for me i just i felt like i knew where it was going throughout the entire thing i was just kind of waiting for it to play out and um yeah i was i was disappointed uh like like pretty brutally disappointed by it it's it's not a terrible 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 film by any means and it does treat its audience with respect for the most part but yeah, I didn't think it was any great shakes. Um, but I mean, you know, before we get onto that kind of stuff, though, because I mean, Mark, you definitely sounded more positive than I was. I mean, um, do you want to elaborate? I think you, you, I think you maybe overestimated how positive oh, okay. I was. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, I think there's, a, there's, a, there's a, I think there's a very good film in there. It, it was just made three years ago yeah, yeah. in yeah. Mexico. Um, there are there are points of it and there are bits of it where it, it, it's where I thought it was very good and it was very it was very effective uh, and there's other bits in it that, that were less effective but 
I did feel it, it was building up to up to the the, the end, um, and then we'll come at the end, it you know soon. But I felt I, it kept me interested enough, and I wanted to see where it was going because the performances are all are all quite good. But it does feel very, you know, dumbed down. Not um, fucking. Nightmare on Elm Street remake, Friday the Thirteenth remake, dumbed down, but a little bit like like some of the things that that made the the original so interesting um, have, have kind of been forsaken for the fact that uh, because it, it very much just wants atmosphere. I didn't like the flashbacks at all. Oh yeah, no, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I thought I, I, when, when they started reading the book and and you saw that the the camera kind of panned up and I thought, oh please don't go flashback, please don't. Oh they're going flashback. Oh god. And every time I went to a flashback, I, I cringed despite the fact that there is actually one great shot in the flashbacks um, where um, the father in the flashbacks has the the mother, the dead mother, chained up. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, that's a great shot, and it's a very. It looks great, and the you've got the soundtracks backing that up, and it all sounds very good and everything like that. But it just the if it had just been that as a flashback, that'd been fine. But we, I didn't need the the other bits of flashback. Just felt really kind of like shoehorned in there and, and completely out of place with with what was this very insular and very sort of. Do it only happened within a very small town. It felt quite claustrophobic in itself, of that it was just happening in this place, and that took you out of that place far too I mean, much. That, that, yeah, um, I mean that that that's that's one thing that really did bother me about the film. It 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 feels there are bits in it that just jar. You know, like most of the runtime, it's quite understated and it's quiet and it's mm. it is quite moody. And I mean, like in terms of atmosphere, I mean, it, it is effective pretty much throughout. But then you you, you yeah. do have the, the the flashbacks. You've got the kind of the surprising moments of gore that do just feel like they're ripped out of another film. Even though saying that, I mean, like there's the sex scene that leads into a, leads to a killing, and it's just like I was just waiting for the guy to get killed. You know, yeah, you were. That 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 is the thing, and also as well. I mean, there's one thing that confused me a little bit about that. With uh, you've got Wyatt Russell um, grinding away, and and all I kept thinking, and this was what took me out. That because Jim Nichol is a very good director. Mm-hmm. I think he is a, a very competent director, um, and he, he has such an eye for, for detail based on you know what films I've seen. Um, but I watched that thinking. How are they having sex when she's still quite clearly wearing her trousers? Oh, that's a good, yeah. And, you kind of see her panties uh, a little bit, but yeah, yeah, but, no, that's a good point. And, and then I thought, start thinking that I really shouldn't be thinking that at this point. I should be thinking, oh god, you know what, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? You know, and it should have me tense, and oh, I should be lost in that moment. And then that, but you sat there going. Well, in a second, the dad's going to kill him. Yeah, yeah. And so that that shock's gone because it is practically fucking. It is there's almost a flash up on screen that says "Dad will kill." Yeah. Um, and you know, it just there was little moments like that where it it just lost itself a little bit. But I was willing to forgive those little moments because of the atmosphere it was building up to, and then. 
Yeah. Um, also, uh, Kelly McGillis's character, I just didn't. There was too much of her. It just to me that just kind of felt like Jim Mickle wanted to give her a part again. You know, it, it, yeah. it just that. Yeah, I mean, there, there wasn't really any point at all. Like she, she was a bit suspicious, but she never really did anything about it. And you know, she, she gets she gets killed in the most generic horror killing you can yeah, imagine. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like the whole kind of like the stopping, then turning around, then like kind of walking, and then the blood starts pouring from the neck thing. It just it's an image you've seen an awful, awful lot. And that's the thing. It, it mm. just felt to me like there was stuff throughout that I, I, I have just I have just seen before. And when you're gonna remake a film and remake it as idios as idiosyncratic a film and then kind of remake it for an American audience. Like, okay, it's doing something different from the original film. I mean, it's not let me in in that way, where it's kind of virtually the same fucking film. Um, but at the same time, it's going, it's doing something different, but doing that different thing is the same as every other film, but it just so happens to be different from this very individual film, it, hmm. which is intensely annoying. Yeah, it, 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 it did frustrate at points, certainly. I, I just, I, I don't know, I just, there, there are bits in it that are so good. Like, that, the opening sequence I mentioned earlier, it really is fantastic. I mean, even though there was one <laughs> the, when the mum kind of reaches for the car door and then suddenly she kind of flies back, I was kind of wondering what the fuck happened there. Do you, yeah. do you remember that shot? It was just, it seemed like she was pushed or something. Like, that, that wasn't her own weight doing that. So that was a bit weird. But the image of, <laughs> sorry, go on. I think you're supposed to imagine that she's kind of slipped, but I think it just didn't look like yeah, that. Yeah, it kind of looked like she was being thrown by the entity or something, but, you know... Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. But, but you know, I mean, it's, you know, it's a small complaint, but then the image of her kind of, like, just dying in that puddle, and then the rain just kind of covering her, and then the title mm. coming up, you know, and the title pretty much, like, full like full width of the screen. I mean, it's... it's it's a really, really, it is a great image. And like you say, you have the, the image in the flashback. And, you know, there, there are, you know, there are moments in this that, that, that I mean, that, that are really, really good. It, I don't know, it just, it didn't feel very sure of itself. And by the end of it, I was, I was just thinking, what, you know, what was the point? And I, and I mean, like the story that Mickle's trying to tell, I mean, again, he, he is quite an understated director and, you know, when he pushes the boat out, like the uh, the vampire dropping sequence in Stateland, I mean, like it, it, that that it, it, it can be Brodura, but if we get, I mean, let's get to the ending. I see what he yeah. was trying to say, but it's the most I... blunt, smushing it, it, it in your face. Sorry, go on. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the idea is good. You know, the fact that you've got. This, this father who, like you say, he's gone too far down this, this route. Um, and the fact that you've got, and remember, we are all spoilers all the time, guys. So if you haven't seen the original, then, you know, you are really looking forward to this one or the original. Um, you know, one of the girls, um, with her knowing that, that he's, that essentially he's, he's trying to kill them all in some kind of mass suicide yeah. thing. Um, then, you know the fact she knows that, and the, the the idea that he's a cannibal, that you know, and he's forcing cannibalism up, up on them uh, as some kind of, you know, 
religious thing um, of the fact that she bites out his his artery. That works. All of that works, and it is it's a very good idea. But then for them to go all feral all of a sudden and do the jumping up on the table and like hunching over yeah. and like doing like growly yeah. noises and like biting bits of skin, and I just it was it was it was embarrassingly yeah. bad. Yeah. It was just so out of character for the entire film. I, I was actually thinking, do you know what? I can forgive Rose a little bit because she's kind of just been shot in the head. So maybe that's kind of making her go a little bit crazy. But Fuzzy Hair, I couldn't fuzzy hair. couldn't forgive her because they, they literally, they do, they, they're like hunched over, like things out, like the, like the creatures out of the descent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just gnawing on his arms and going, bow, bow, bow. It's like, really? Because none of that fits in the hour and 40 minutes worth of film that you've built up to. Yeah. You have just taken a giant dump on your own film. Yeah, it just... It, it That felt like a concession to like the midnight movie crowd or something like that, who, you know, Mikkel yeah. was just like... They've been waiting for, you know, something gory and surprising and intense through the whole film so let's do this and it yeah i mean it it just it doesn't connect on any level at all like i mean like even the whole kind of like the the idea of karu and like it it, it kind of being like a degenerative brain disease or whatever you know it's kind of Mm. subtly done with his hand trembling you know and like the nose bleeding and stuff like that but it, it jumps from that to they turn into creatures you know it, it's it, yeah. it, it just it, it it is like it's come out of a far shitter film yeah yeah it's it, 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 it's like at the time he was trying to make and for the majority of the film he's trying to make a fairly intelligent horror movie and then what's happened at the end is it's just gone to Generic modern gore, yeah, 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 nonsense. And it, it, it's being honest. I just expected better. Yeah, I, I, I sort of, I, I, I allowed my brain to go. Yeah, the flashbacks I can put up with, the creepy graveyard sex scene I can put up with. There's, you know, all that because you know, I, I want to see how he's going to deal with the, the overthrowing of the father. And then it's like, it's like, oh, that's it. All right. Wow. Okay. And the fact that it, it doesn't just happen in a snap, the fact that it goes on and then it pans out of the room and you go, all right. And then you go, oh, no, we're going back in. All right. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, and then she's going to give the hat pin to Michael Parks and she's still chewing. Uh, oh, no. So not only is she still chewing, she's going to put a little bit more in her mouth. Um, wow. She's like, Almost taking a doggy bag of a dad with her. This is weird. Yeah. Um, a little bit embarrassed now. And that was everything that was going through my mind while I was watching it. Yeah. No, absolutely. It just it's it's such a shame. It's I mean it, it, it's such a shame. I just I think I'm pretty much done talking about it. It, it, it. Like I mean, like I say, I mean the performances are solid, but I don't I don't think anyone's partic- anyone particularly stands out. 
um, Bill Sage. Well, apart from Parks. Yeah, I mean, Park, Parks is solid, but he... Parks is always good. Yeah, but I mean... He's Parks. Well, sure, but I mean, he just, he's just kind of I mean, doing he, he, he's, what he's doing. I, I, it didn't that, ever... That's it. It didn't ever jump out at me. I mean, like, Bill Sage is... I, I don't know. I mean, like, he's creepy and intense, but he's just doing that character. He, he, he is very much... I mean, what I was saying about Michael Parks is Michael Parks is always that good. He's always going to be, you know, that good in things. He's not amazing and fucking, oh, my God, he's incredible in it. But, you know, you, you it, it's the performance you expected from Michael Parks. There's going to be a moment where he sits down in a chair and talks... And you're going to be captivated by what he's saying. Because that's what he does in every film he's ever in. Um, but yeah, Bill Sage, he does play it very much as, you know, generic, overbearing father at points. But there's an atmosphere behind it all that kind of works. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, that's, that's fair. That's fair. I just, like... I mean, I, I don't know, in terms of the definitely, sh- the shit, definitely not shit, it's the toughest one I think I've had yet on the show. Yeah. I don't, I, I kind of don't want to say it, it, it's, it's shit, but I, I kind of don't want to say that it, 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 it's good either. Um, I, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm in a quandary. I mean, on the definitely shit, definitely not shit scale, I'm basically on constipated at the moment. Yeah, I'm on, yeah. Like, am I gonna have, am I gonna have a bowel movement to flush it out, or is it just gonna stay there and stew? It's, it's definitely not one that's gonna stay with me. <laughs> that's, uh, I'm, I, I'm, I think I'm gonna have to go definitely shit. I think I'm gonna have to go shit just because because that ending it, it, it is so shit and he's such a, a, a huge dump. Um, yeah. Then I, I'm gonna have to go shit. I think the there. ending tips the scale for me. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I could go with that actually. Um, yeah, and I mean it's 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 a shame, and I mean like it has been getting some pretty. And I've noticed, like, the critical reviews when it first kind of premiered at Sundance or whatever were, were very positive, and it got positive word out of, like, the can director Fortnite. But then, you know, it played Fright Fest, and I don't think anyone really raved about it at all there. No, people, no, no, one, no one bitched about it, but no one kind of raved about it. Um, no one, not, not many people seem to be going, oh, God, you know, when's, when's this, when the, when, when's it get, like, a general release? Or when's it coming out on Blu-ray? There's not been much of that. It's just kind of yeah dropped. Yeah, I I, it, I, don't, I mean I I wish Mickle and Demichi well, and you know I I look forward to their next film. Um, it, it just this is the first the first misstep for me, but you know two out of three ain't bad. So you know as Meat Love would say, two out of three ain't bad. Right Okay, so that was uh, uh, We Are What We Are, and um, we will break through a couple of promos and then <clears throat> get to some One Old, One New. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant, blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I've ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. 
Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and hard cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. Just really, it's isn't. not visually striking. No, I'm just just getting confirmation. It's just in That's the third time, though. I mean, I must. This is on. You can find us at chinstrokerversuspunter.podomatic.com. So come and share the victory. If you could fuck any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. You, you wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody. <laughs> he looks like somebody who can keep a secret. Yo, are you looking for a podcast that breaks movies down like you couldn't believe? I mean, takes them apart piece by piece and analyzes every little thing. Getting you the most out of every movie that you ever could. Well, look no further than The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. With Samurai and Big Willie. These fuckers know how to review movies. Or my name ain't the head. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com. Get off my back! I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Okay then, so let's get into some one old, one new. Uh, Mark, why don't you kick us off? Uh, cool. Um, what shall I kick us off with? I'm going to kick us off with uh, my one old. Um, I was doing the movie quiz for the City Screen or sorry the horror film quiz for the City Screen on Thursday night nice. uh, I work about 10-15 um, minutes away from the City Screen and I work till 7 on a uh, Thursday night these quiz started at 9 so I thought you know what I'm not going to go home to then come back out I'm going to get something to have to eat at work close up you know just before 7 o'clock and then watch a film, and then go and do the quiz. So I had basically what was available on uh, Netflix UK that I could watch on the computer. And I decided to watch, uh, give a rewatch to Righteous Kill, which I've only seen oh once my. when it first came oh out. Oh, my. At the, at the cinema, and I take it you've seen Righteous oh Kill. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, to give an idea, uh, Righteous Kill is the... Um, <laughs> Second time, third film, but second time that Robert De Niro and Al Pacino have actually appeared on screen together. The first time being in the magnificent and wonderful Eight, where we got quite simply one of the greatest scenes in movie history of De Niro. If you Pacino give Righteous Kill a good review, you're you're a fucking idiot. Sorry, I'm I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how this goes. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> now. Um, when I watched Righteous Kill the first time, uh, I, I very much kind of came out of it going, well, that wasn't great, but it wasn't as bad as some people uh, said it was. Uh, I watched it at the cinema, right? Um, now, I watched before Righteous Kill, uh, I watched a film that was released at the same time as Righteous Kill, starring Al Pacino called 88 oh, Minutes. God, yeah. Have you seen 88 No. Minutes? Right. What I will say is they're both directed by the same John guy as well. John Avet. Avet, yeah, yeah. Um, who also gave us nothing, um, essentially. He did give us fried green tomatoes, actually. Oh, God. Which is a fucking terrible movie. Right. Um, now, 
going from 88 minutes and then going directly into Righteous Kill, right, gives you a false sensehood of, of, of what can be considered passable. Right, yeah, okay. Uh, is, what I, is what I will say. Um, but Righteous Kill. Um, Righteous Kill is, essentially what you've got is you've got... Um, Robert De Niro and Al Pacino both play um, detectives. They're both obviously, you know, towards the end of their careers, but it's not the one last job kind of things. But they're they're known by their nicknames throughout the entire film. Cunty and Mudflaps. Uh, which, which yes, it is uh, Cunty and Mudflaps. Uh, <laughs> Uh, which is a, a terrible plot device uh, used because at the start of the film you see Robert De Niro uh, confessing to the fact that uh, he has killed 14 people um, and he's done this uh, because these people got away with crimes and he expresses his name. So, ooh, throughout the rest of the film they're only referred to by their nicknames. So... You're not really sure what's going on. You know, I, I haven't clocked that first time round. That's yeah, brutal. That's, that 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 is that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the essential idea is is that um, they're investigating um, a, a a serial killer known as uh, the Poetry Killer because you always leave poetry at every crime scene. Um, the people who get off are always people who, you know, are, are not very good eggs, we'll say. Um, also, you've got the uh, one of the forensic detectives uh, is Carla Gugina, um, who De Niro is, is banging, despite the fact that she's a good 30 years younger than him. But, you know, good on you, Bobby. Um there is, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you might not, you might not notice this because it was very subtly handled. Um, but she kind of likes bad guys. Yeah. You, you might, it, it, it is so subtle that you might not have noticed that. Um, there is also they, you know, De Niro, who uh, they all suspect is the killer uh, because he's obviously a cop. Um, uh, sorry, the killer's obviously he's a cop. Obvious, um, they suspect he's a killer because he's obviously a cop. They're killers, obviously a cop. Oh, um, my mate Neil <laughs> Bring in uh, Johnny Wahlberg and John Leguizamo oh, into it as well, or other detectives. And just stuff. You've got Brian Dennehy there. You've got Curtis 50 Cent Jackson. Um, just just being just really bad, really bad uh, in this. Um, and I was watching it just, I'll be honest, uh, in a Alex Cross kind of way, while I was watching it, I, I was kind of enjoying it, I'll be honest. Um, but the the script in this film is fucking awful. I mean, it is, it, it's just so clanging constantly all the way through it. There are some lines of dialogue where you just go, oh, no, ow, really? Wow. Wow, that was, that, 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 that was painful. Um, and the, the only kind of thing I get out of it at the end of it was, well, uh, at least it wasn't 88 minutes. 
which is so much worse. It was 95, boom, boom. Ah, uh, boom, boom. Uh, but yeah, it's I like I say, I still kind of enjoyed it, but it, it is one of those films where you're going, it, it, you know, the idea, the story, everything, it, all of that with those two actors and a different supporting cast, well, even with the same supporting cast, not Fifty Cent, um, you know, that could work if it was written by somebody who could write a film and directed by somebody who could direct a film. That kind of dynamic and that idea could work, but it, it just it just didn't. It was just bad. It was so indicative of those two guys' careers at the time. It seems like at the moment De Niro is 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 going back up a little bit. Like he's he, he started giving a shit again with you know with the stuff that we've got on the horizon, the stuff that you know the few films that he's had out, you know, recently seem to suggest that maybe, you know, like I say, like I said, that he's just started giving a shit again. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, no, it, it's... Silver Lines Playbook, um, The Family looks like that could be a fun film. Um, you know, Las Vegas, for all of the, you know, how it basically is a old man version of The Hangover. It, it does look fun. You know, he's American Hustle. You know, Grudge Man looks very good. American Hustle? He's um, American Hustle? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. Positive. Plays a character called Victor Tagelio. Really? Yeah, he's in American Hustle. Ah, uh, what? I've got to look that up. Uh, he's also... You know, he, he's got... So many, he's, he's in a. Um, huh. Well, he got well. You know, there are a lot of talks that him and Scorsese, are, you know, at the moment discussing, you know, reigniting that partnership. So, you know, with um, the Irishman, uh, which will also see you know Pacino there and Joe Pesci, which, you know, you've got De Niro, Pacino, Pesci. Um, in a Scorsese movie you, I, you kind of feel like if that works you know, two out of those four guys should go do you know what I might I might call it a day now yeah 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 not, 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 not die <laughs> not, not kill themselves I mean with acting I got you yeah no, I, fucking yeah. Louis CK is an American actor as well wow yeah he is yeah it's a fucking hell of a cast, is American Yeah, that, the, probably the best cast of the year, isn't it, really? Fucking hell. Uh, yeah, very, very much the thought. So, yeah, right, just kill. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's shit, but, but, I, I kind of enjoyed watching it. The Poetry Killer. I, like, that's amazing. That's fucking amazing. Yeah. Who, who, according to uh, Wikipedia, was called, you know, it's called Poetry Boy. Uh, never heard him refer to as Poetry Boy once in the film. Never. Nice. Yeah, it's <laughs> just honestly, honestly. It, 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 if anyone out there thinks that Righteous Kill is an absolute piece of shit, right? Watch eighty-eight minutes. It, just watch eighty-eight minutes, and then honestly, you will go. Like, Do you know what? Actually, it's not that bad. Yeah. Because that film is fucking awful. And as well, I don't think eighty-eight minutes is actually eighty-eight minutes long, which is just fucking wrong. On so many levels. Let me just... Yeah, man, I want to have a look at this. It's, it's 111 minutes. Yeah, that's... that's. 
Did you ever make a film called 88 Minutes? Make it 88 Minutes. Oh, fucking Alicia Witt. Remember? Oh, Lady yep. Zobieski. God. Amy Brenneman. Oh, this yes. is Deborah Kara Unger. This is full. This is the cast of women who disappeared. Yep. Blimey, Charlie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, 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 honestly, honestly, 88 Minutes is a fucking terrible ah, movie. Is Amy Brennan the one that, um, Pacino, yeah, Edie, the one that Pacino says, yeah. she's got a great ass! Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, man, anyway. Right, Ian, what was your one or the one oh, you? I my head doing that. Um, <laughs> oh. Pacino, hurt your head. Oh, yeah. Oh, I wish. Um, oh, the things that I could do to my head. Um, <laughs> the, 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 only, the, the best way for Pacino to work to hurt your head would be to watch Jack and Jill. Yeah. I don't know. There's probably a lot of shit that Al Pacino's been in that I could watch and it could hurt my head. Not, not as bad as that. Challenge accepted. Let's have a look. Tangent time. Uh, Tangent. Let's have a look. Let's have a look. Let's 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 see what we can come up with. See if we can come up with a, a shitter film that Pacino did. And you can't revolution because I didn't mind revolution. Okay, fair enough. So that. And it, it, revolution's got Sid Owen in it. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Fair enough. That's fair enough. Uh, so, no, I'm sorry, yeah, I'm, I'm right here. Jack and Jill is without question his worst. Do you know one. what? I reckon if I'd seen it, I reckon I could use two for the money, because I bet that's pretty I've fucking seen two shit. For the money. Uh, I, I've seen two for the money. It, it's, it, honestly, two for the money is pretty fucking entertaining. Bollocks. It, honestly, it is pretty entertaining. Bollocks. It, it, it's, it's from that little fucking period where Pacino basically played the same character in Two for the Money and The Recruit. He is the same fucking character. I... This... Yeah. I, 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 it's, two for the Money. Two for the Money is a shit film. I enjoyed the fuck out of nah. it. Nah. Nah. Oh, come on. It's Matthew McConaughey being smooth. Yeah, but it's Matthew McConaughey, like, in the time where, like... like... Kerbo de Mayo say in the time when he was on every single poster he's basically standing against a woman like with his leg a little bit cocked doing a charming expression to the camera do you know what he is leaning on the poster of course he fucking is yeah if you look the main poster if you look there's a little bar at the bottom of like interspurging shots from the film and in one of them he's leaning towards somebody uh, it, it, uh, yeah, I, I didn't mind too for money. In comparison to fucking Jack and Jill, honestly, it's fucking Citizen Kane. Do you know what? I'm surprised that Al Pacino only has 49 credits. Well, he he, he took a bit of a break, didn't he, for a few years to um, get sober, essentially. When was that, then? He, he took sort of four or five years off in between um, Revolution and Sea of Love. So, but, oh shit, yeah, eight, fucking, he didn't do anything. Revolution was 85. He didn't do anything, 86, but, I mean, 87, 88, yeah, okay. Yeah, Revolution, I think, uh, I think, if I'm, my memory says me correctly, that actually wrapped, um, he wrapped filming of that in 83 as well. Okay. It, it just took him fucking ages to actually get it out there, because it's an absolute, it was, it was deemed an absolute piece of shit. Um, and then, you know, the, the, he kind of got himself sober before Sea of Love. And then went on a bit of a 
Oh, I don't know. Godfather Part Three is pretty shit. Yeah, I mean, he's not shit in it though. It just it, it's I don't know. It's the Godfather Part Three. Yeah, I jiggly. Jiggly. I've never I forgot he was in no, that. No, I've never seen Jiggly. I I I, I have not enough time in the world. Uh, no, there is. I, I have seen it. I mean, I can't leave that directed by Martin Brest. Yeah, I, I don't know. He just went off a cliff, though, didn't he? Well, he, he, he literally has disappeared since Jiggly. Has he not actually done anything? God, he wrote, he wrote I, 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 and directed fairly, that. Yeah, Jesus you know, like, Christ. He hasn't directed anything since Jiggly, which is like 10 years ago. God, bloody... Was his last credit into... What? Now, that is the definition of a fucking career killer. He got he got yeah. a thanks on Gone Baby Gone, and that well, was yeah it. from uh, that was from uh, because he basically he he um, Affleck kind of shadowed him directing wise um, on a couple of films okay. on uh, Meet Joe Black and Jiggly. Blimey, Charlie! But yeah, I mean, I mean when you look at it, you know. Nevertheless, Cop, Midnight Run, Sent of a Woman, you know, they're three pretty damn good films. You know, Meet Joe Black's not a terrible movie. It's not a great movie, but it's not a terrible movie. And then, then yeah, then Jiggly happened. That's, yeah, wow. Wow. Christopher Walken's actually as well. He's not dead, is he? No, okay. Oh, yeah, he's not dead. Fuck out of shit, wife would just go. He's only 62 as well. Oh, oh well. Um, well, maybe if they ever actually do Midnight Run two, maybe he'll be back. But um, God, that's fucking love that. That's the, I don't I don't know. That's a sh- God. That really was just a complete career killer. Oh yeah, and it only killed his career. When you look at it, it didn't kill anyone else's career that was involved. You know, Affleck's fucking won Oscars since. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. it's certainly. I don't know. Like to be fair, if there wasn't a Julie, maybe Affleck wouldn't have like had the. The resurgence that he's got, frankly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. I think it, I think it definitely having that, been able to just disappear for a little yeah. bit under the way, you know, and nobody expected anything, you know, when when Gone Baby Gone arrived, and everyone sort of thought, oh, bless Ben Affleck's going to try, going to try directing, oh, bless Ben, come on, but we all know that the other one. That Matt Damon's the talented one out of you. Too. Holy shit, that was a good one. Yeah, point. yeah, yeah. And it's like, what the fuck happened there? And you know, I mean, Gone with Gone's an incredible movie. And you know, and now he's back on top again. God, he had a string of bobbins in the mid noughties didn't he, Affleck? Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much there with with, with Baffleck where you look at it and go. I didn't, even, I didn't even know that existed, but it sounds horrible. Yeah, I mean, because I gotta say, like, I've never, I've never heard of Man About Town from two thousand. I've got Man About Town. I've got that on DVD. Ben Affleck, Rebecca Romaine, John Cleese. Yeah. Gina Gershon, Adam Goldberg, Cal Penn, Jerry O'Connor. It's yeah. an interesting cast. It's, 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 you know what? It's not bad. Not that bad. Not good, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I actually, I might have to watch this. It actually, I don't know. The plot sounds fun. It, it, it's, it's not bad. Yeah. I, oh, anyway, right. Let's move on. Tangent over. 
I didn't watch anything on uh, Tuesday or Wednesday for my sins. So, um, you know, Thursday being Halloween, I, I ramped it up and I watched three films on Thursday, uh, which isn't bad for a work day, frankly. Um, so... I, I actually, another one, I, one of them I'll be talking about in One Old, because it's the only uh, film I re-watched this week. Uh, but this one, I, yeah, I'll talk about this. So, I'd never seen, even though I've had the Universal Monsters box set for about a year now, I'd never seen The Bride of Frankenstein before, um, because I was kind of waiting to watch it with uh, with Donna. And um, uh, so, like, basically I said to her, it's either Bride of Frankenstein or Trick or Treat. Um, and she went to Bride of Frankenstein. She's seen Trick or Treat before, but, um, yeah, so, uh, now first off, I mean, the, the work that's been done on this box set is insane. Um, it's Universal obviously put a lot of money into these restorations. I mean, they look fantastic. I mean, the, the Bride of Frankenstein, it's, it is just like watching a really, really fucking nice print. And that, that's, that's amazing. Um, and it, it, I mean, like, it, it is, heralded as better than the original is the bride of frankenstein generally and i think it is frankly um so the story is well it, it actually starts off very interestingly where it's me- like mary shelley and i think her brother and her fiance are like are basically sitting around and toasting the success of frankenstein and then, like, and then Mary Shelley says, well, you know, that's not how the story ends. And then Mary Shelley starts telling this story, which, you know, is, is symptomatic of a film that has an awful lot of stuff that just feels like it's ahead of its time. Um, mm. So, I mean, you, you, you've, you, so you've got that. But it, it goes on to a film which is odder. Dan, uh, Dan Frankenstein, frankly, uh, uh, which is, which is kind of a surprise. Uh, but also, I think, much more emotionally affecting. Now, as he's billed here, Karlov, uh, which, which is awesome. They, they just have his surname on this. <laughs> and, and yeah. question mark as the bride, <laughs> which is great. Uh, but, uh, I mean, even the credits are fun here. Um, Boris Karlov is amazing in this. He's so, it's just so tragic and so horrible. And the moments of levity that he does get, they're such high highs that when the lows do eventually come, uh, and before the highs as well, they're, they're just horrible to watch. Um, and and, and it's just the, the way, the way he plays it, this kind of like, this, childlike innocence but the the strength to crush anyone it's uh it's it's rather beautiful and i mean the the message that it's got about the the fear of something that's kind of foreign to us i mean is sadly as applicable now as it was 80 years ago and you know frankly if frankenstein was running around now the reaction from people would probably be much the same, except like there'd be people spouting off on radio phone-ins about how they think he should be kicked out of the country because he's claiming benefits. Um, and, and I mean, it, it's, 
Yeah, so I mean, uh, uh, Boris Karloff, or Karloff, I just want to call him Karloff, is, is, is fantastic. I mean, Frankenstein himself doesn't take up that as, as much screen time here, but frankly, he's not as interest, interesting a character. Um, but the, the bad guy in this, Dr. Pretorius, he, he's got some properly weird shit going on. There's, um, I, I don't want to spoil it, frankly, for anyone who hasn't seen it, but, um, there's, he gets out his, his experiments at, at one point. Have you seen this? Yes, uh, yeah, I have. I was, I was practically fucking raised on fucking like thirties horror stuff and stuff like yeah. this. To be honest, so I've seen this fucking. I've probably not seen it in about um, about fifteen years, so um, probably longer actually. Fuck, seeing it since I'm like thirty-one soon, so I've probably not seen it since I was about ten. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, it's oh, it's great, but yeah, it just um. That, 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 this this moment where he gets out his experiments, they're just so odd, and like the the techniques that they they use to, fil- to film it just kind of feel like they they they're, they're ahead of its time. I mean, I, I'll say, I mean, like in, in terms of that, I also watched um, Carl Viadordrea's uh, Vampire uh, Vampire uh, for the first time. I watched that on um, on uh, um, on Thursday. And that's got some really ahead of its time feeling shit as well with the visuals. And I mean, so maybe it's not, they're not ahead of their time. Maybe they were just really, really skillful. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, I, I don't have that much more to say without really going into spoilers, but I mean, it, it looks beautiful. Uh, you know, I mean, Karlov in, in, in the center is, is mesmerizing. And I mean, it's, it's, it's got this ending, which was kind of surprised me because the bride, considering the title of the film, the bride doesn't really take that all that much like prominence in it, really. Um, but by the ending with the bride's emergence and what happens, it feels like the right ending, frankly. And after after I um, I watched this, so there was a, a trailer for like the next one where um, Lon Chaney replaced uh, uh, Karlov, and. That is, it looks like it basically it is Frankenstein's a monster and he goes around killing people. Uh, but that there's kind of a reason for that. And it, 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 but it just seems like such a shame. Uh, but yeah, this, uh, I mean, it's, it's, is as wonderful as I hoped it was going to be. So, you know, uh, awesome. Yeah, it, it, yeah, I mean, I've got that monster's box set. I've, I've looked at it several times and then always kind of just not kind of, bit to be honest but I think I'm going to have to because it sounds like it's well worth yeah, it's, it. Yeah it's, it's a really great set. Ah, cool I'm out. I'll probably have to bite on that. Nice. Uh, okay so sorry Mark um, let's get into your one new sir. My one new uh, I'm going to do I'm going to quickly say I, I, I watched um, but there's not actually that much really to talk about it because it does exactly what it says on the tin, really. Uh, I watched G.I. Joe uh, Retaliation um, the other day. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it, um, to be honest. Um, like it was, it, it, like I say, it does exactly what it says on the tin. There's not actually that much to talk about it um, because what you kind of expect happens, really. Um, but did very much enjoy it, and there's a great, the great scene on the mountainside where they're running along on the ropes and everything like that look fucking great. Um, um, yeah. Have you seen General Retaliation? Yes, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It is what um, it is. It, it, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it, it'll, it'll entertain you on a Sunday or a Saturday afternoon. 
it's that type of the, film. The Ninja Mountain sequence is by far the best bit of that film, and I wish the rest of it was that loopy and awesome. Yeah, that's it. It is loopy. It, it, do you know what it felt like? It felt like a, a, a toy film come to life. Sure, sure. Uh, very much enjoyed it. But I watched, uh, I watched a film where... Um, it's one of those where I think I watched the trailer and said I thought this film looked like shit so I decided to watch it <laughs> um, which is part of this, this thing I have where I, I watched it to see if it was as, as you know as shit as it looked um, and it was the to-do list um, I have which, this to watch okay right um, the Wikipedia page says right and I'm going to read it from this because I had the Wikipedia page up just so I can remember people's names and shit like that um, to do this, a 2013 American romantic comedy film. Open brackets. This movie has been rated as one of the most pathetic and waste of time films ever to be created in the history of mankind. <laughs> Close brackets. Nice. Released on the, what, July 22nd, July 26th, 2013. Right? Uh, it's written by uh, Maggie Carey. Uh, no, no relation, I don't think, to Mariah Carey, uh, because it's spelled differently. Um who did some shit that I've never seen, uh, that I have no interest in ever seeing. Um, he got a cast of uh, Aubrey Plaza, who I'm sure people will recognise from Funny People and Scott Pilgrim and uh, Safe Not Guaranteed. Uh, I think she's also in uh, Parks and Recreation. Yeah, I she? think so, yeah. Oh, no, I, I tried watching it, but it bored the shit out of me. Sorry, people. It just did. It was just boring. Um You've also got Johnny uh, Simmons, who keeps getting work for some reason. Um, Bill Hader, uh, Ali Shawkat, who keeps getting work for some reason. Uh, Rachel Bilson and Christopher Minskart talk fucking shit. Plassie. Um, can, can anyone point out to me when uh, Andy Sandberg was funny? Because I, 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 I don't know when that happened. It made quite a good uh, quip about somebody's cappuccino in Starbucks. Did yeah, it? it was all right. Oh, right. Was that that, that 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 the one time? Cool. Um, yeah, it, it, luckily he's not in it very much. Um, now, the idea of the to-do list is um, is Aubrey uh, Plaza plays uh, a girl called Brandy Clark, who is the valedictorian um, at her school. Um, she has the highest grade point average ever at her school. She's got a full scholarship to an Ivy League school and she's you know everything is going brilliantly she's great at everything she's ever done and everything is set out for her um, except she discovers that she's totally not prepared for um, her sexual awakening that she's she knows nothing about sex so what she does is she makes a list of all the sex things that she wants to do and the bottom uh, of that list is that she wants to lose her virginity uh, to a guy called Rusty Waters, played by Scott, Park, Scott uh, Porter, who is like the local fucking hot guy. Right, this film, also, also this film is set in the early 90s, uh, a point that is rammed down your It is it's pretty much it. every single scene soundtracked by some hit from the time. Well, this is the weird thing, right? It starts off basically ramming down your throat the fact that it's early nineties film by mentioning like like mentioning stuff like um one of the characters says, Oh, I've got beaches on VHS and you think, Well, what other fucking format would you have it on in that That's time in the mid nineties? 
So, of course you can have it on VHS. Um, and it's just, and someone goes, oh, I've just got a page. I'll just get my pager out. It's like, we get it. It's the fucking early 90s. Right? And all the soundtrack is early 90s stuff. But then it abandons that about halfway through. Okay. Um, also, you've got the other annoying thing of the fact that these are all supposed to be kids that are supposed to be like 18, but they all look like they're in their late, well, they all look like they're in their early 30s, despite the fact that a lot of them are in like their late 20s. Um, is a little bit kind of distracting uh, at points. Now, at points, this film is just just dull, to be honest. Um, but by the end of it, I it, it at, at points kind of won me over a little bit, where I actually started kind of almost enjoying it and kind of getting on board with the ideas that it was trying to put out there. Um, it's 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 104 minutes. This is a fucking 90-minute movie. It doesn't need to be that fucking long. I, I know we say this a lot, that films are too, you know, that, that films could easily lose 20 minutes, but this doesn't need to be over 100 minutes long at all. Um, but it's got enough funny moments and enough heart to make up for the fact that at points it's just a little bit ploddy um, and you know, it, it's it's trying a little bit too hard to be nostalgic but also using uh, very of this time comedy um, it does fight the pitfalls that any film like this nowadays getting made makes where it tries to be films, too many other films. It, it tries to, you know, it, it directly steals a joke from um, Caddyshack, which you can kind of, it kind of fits where it is. Um, and that bit's quite funny. Um, Bill Hader's is quite good in it. Um, and I went into it, being honest, to be honest, expecting to pretty much fucking hate it, uh, and came out of it going, actually, do you know what? That was a lot better than I expected, but I had low expectations. So it's not a total bust, and I'm not going to say yeah, I'm not going to say you need to fucking watch it tonight. But you know, there's enough there that I think you'll go after you watched it. Do you know what? That's never going to make that's probably not in my top fifty films of the year. But there was enough in it to have killed an hour and a bit of my life. So I'll I'll keep it on my to-do list then. Yeah, keep it on your to-do list. Um, I'd say watch it either one morning. It's a good morning film, I reckon. Right. It's either a good morning or a good really late night film. Okay. One of those. It works. Um, you you do start to fall for Aubrey Platz's character, not in like a, a sexual way because she's just, no. Um but you do kind of start to actually give a shit about all that's going on with her. Um, and it, it kind of does work uh, quite well. Quite strange the fact, though, that um, in this film she works at a um, at a swimming pool. And Bill Hader works at the swimming pool. It is like the he runs the swimming pool and it's, he's, his character is very, very similar in you know, conception and actual, you know, the way that he performs it, as to Sam Rockwell that I was talking about last week, in the way we're okay. back. And both of the are great performances. Uh, Hades is nowhere near Rockwell 
I, I like. Um, but, you know, in both films, they're the two standouts, uh, without question. Um, it also, uh, her dad is played by um, Clark Gregg. Oh, well, that's solid. I like Clark Gregg. Yeah, it, it, he's, no, he's not great. Oh, that's true. In fact, I'd go as far as to say that he's, he, he's, I like Clark Gregg, he's usually pretty, you know, solid in everything. In this, it, it, he's, it just doesn't work. Hmm, okay. Holy shit, Clark Gregg's married to Jennifer Grey. It, I did not Yeah, know that. no, fair play, good on him. Good yeah. on her, actually, fuck it. I'd marry Clark Gregg. I mean, Gregg. He, he, well, he, I'd marry Jennifer Grey before I should have nerves done. Hmm. Fucking hell. You ruined your face. Right, yeah, go on then. What was your one new? Oh, okay, uh, oh, my one old. What, what, oh, oh. Sorry, one new. Oh, sorry. The other thing I will say is um, Donald Glover's in this. Um, and I'm, I, I'm a, a, a big fan of uh, the TV series community. Uh, I understand he's also in 30 Rock and... Um, He's now a rapper under the name Childish Gambino. Um, have you heard any of his rap music? No. It's fucking terrible. Of course it is. Um, it, it, he, I think also as well, there are rumours that he's going to be leaving community uh, and people, as ever with community people, are up in arms going, oh, it's terrible, it's terrible, it's terrible. Um, he's the weakest part of community without question for me and he's terrible in this movie. Fine, Bobbins. It sounds like Bobby, Bobbity, Bobbity, Bobbins. I, 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 I just, I, I've got it to watch, but it's one I will probably not ever get around to. I, I just like, yeah, I'm I, not a massive fan of Aubrey Plaza. She, her, her, her no, presence I, I kind of pisses them. me off, and yeah, me too. But I, I, like I say, she did start to win me around. There's a very good um, support performance from Rachel Bilson as her sister who is actually quite good in this and quite and, and one of the highlights of the movie is is her just complete bitchiness. Okay. Yeah. The are uh, the, the the friends are just fucking terrible. I'm not selling it. No, you you're really not. Really not, am I? No, it's uh, Yeah, I won't rush to watch it. Anybody. Fair enough. Anybody. It's 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 a film about sex with very little sex in it. I don't think I'd want to see Aubrey Plaza have sex anyway, to be honest. You see her have sex and you see her quite graphically masturbate, not like that graphically, but pretty close up shot. And I was thinking, oh, whoa, dude, God, ah, it's like watching a fourteen-year-old boy try to find his penis. Nice. Well, that just sat my energy level. Good work, Mark. <laughs> Sorry. Um. Yeah, alright. Go on, what are you going to hear us with next? Uh, well, I haven't really got too much to say about it, it's just because it was the only one old that I, I actually did this week. Uh, so the other film I watched at Halloween was, fittingly enough, Halloween. We talked about it a bit last week anyway, so... Uh, but yeah, Halloween. Um, the third act remains very, very intense. The Michael stalking Laurie around the house is still awesome. Uh, everything about this film is awesome, frankly. Um, I love, love, love the scene where Donald Pleasance 
puts on a voice where he kind of sounds like he's trying to be black. And um, he's trying to scare the kids away from the house. Yeah. He's like, hey, Ronnie, get your ass away from there. Yeah, I, I I didn't do a very good impression, but that bit makes me laugh, and the fact that he just smiles afterwards, um, <laughs> I I I I think that's I I think that's wonderful. Um, oh, the, the score's great. Um, I like the terrorizing of small children. Um, uh, the the bit at the beginning with the the rain and um, the. The, all the, the patients walking around outside and like Mike, Michael kind of like jumping up on the car. Wicked. The title scene, awesome. It's, yeah, the title scenes in that film are incredibly good, aren't they? Even though. With that music and the. the I wish it was in Carpenter's usual font, I will say. Um, but yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's, it, you know, it's Halloween. Of course it's awesome. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, I watched it at like 10 o'clock at night on Halloween night and it gave me the chills sufficiently enough. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I love Halloween. I think so. It's an incredible movie. Um, still, still gives me, like I said, it still, still gets me every time and I've seen it. It works, man. It just, it still works. I must see it at double figures now. I, 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 frankly, I probably have as well. You know, it, it, yeah. But I mean, it, fuck, it's Halloween. It's awesome. Um, mm. So yeah, it's, it's. I think that's about it, isn't it? Uh, just, just questions. And that's Coolio, it. Coolio. Okay. Uh, what have we got? Chris Byrne asks. Uh, at Cinematronics. Also a, a bit late for Halloween, never mind, don't worry. Uh, but question, who is your favourite Scream Queen and also who was the hottest? Huh, that's an interesting one. Um, um, my favourite Scream Queen, I, I think, is he, he, still Nancy from Nightmare on Street. Yeah, I could probably go with that. Um, I mean, what are the options? You've got Jamie Lee Curtis, Heather Langenkamp, what, Nave Campbell, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, fucking Her Out of Black Christmas, Olivia Hussey. Chill, yeah. yes, please. In terms of the hottest. Oh, in terms of the hottest, uh Ooh, there's quite a few hot ones actually. Uh, Barbara Crampton was pretty hot. Yeah, she was. No, that's a fair comment. She was pretty hot. Uh, Danielle Harris, later Danielle Harris, not young Daniel Harris. <laughs> Danielle Harris in Halloween 5, do you mean? Um. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, what were you thinking when she got older and broke through? Yeah, I, I, I was thinking Danielle Harris in Halloween 2, but you know, never mind. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, uh, uh, the zombie Halloween 2, not like, well, she wasn't in Halloween 2, she would have probably been minus figures, but... Um, yeah, um, oh, what else we got? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go for Barbara Cranston. Fair enough. And, uh, I'd had a Langley camp in that one. I'm sticking with Olivia Hussey, even if she didn't scream that much. Uh, That's a good one. Okie dokie, okie dokie, okie dokie. Uh, we've only got one more. Fuckers. Have we? 
I think so. Uh, could, uh, I've got one from Thomas DJ. Can you see any more? Uh, I think I might have another one. We'll go with the one from Thomas DJ. Okay. This is a weird one. I'm not entirely sure what he's referring to. Um, okay, at Nocturne Tom DJ. Uh, which other actresses do you feel have been a victim of monarch mind control? Now, I'm just going to Google monarch mind control. Right, that is something that comes up. All right, let's take a look. Uh, what the shit? Uh, vice.com mind control. Oh, oh, uh, uh, YouTube. The sexist Illuminati conspiracy behind Amanda Bynes' mental breakdown. And Amanda Bynes' reign of terror, t- Twitter terror ended two weeks ago when authorities placed her on a 5150 psych hold for setting a fire in the dry way, driveway of an old lady rocking a bowl cut. Doctors have... What the fuck, really? Doctors have already just diagnosed her with schizophrenia, which would explain her proclivity for twerking on gym machines, calling Degrassi star Aubrey Graham ugly, and flitting around New York in a menagerie of tragic wigs. But this hasn't stopped a faction of the internet from believing Amanda is actually a victim of monarch mind control, an Illuminati practice widely used by the Walt Disney Corporation and Team Nick to monetize and sexualize young starlets. Uh, Supposedly developed in its current form by the CIA to subdue American citizens, monarch mind control is being used by the Hollywood industrial complex to micromanage child stars. The monarch mind control victims are called kittens, and the executives and managers that control them are known as handlers. Supposedly, the handlers take a precocious kitten, such as an all-that-era Amanda Bynes, and subject her to mental and sexual abuse until her personality fractures and separates like a horcrux, making her unquestioning and compliant. The handlers then conclude the abuse with a weird Adams Family Values summer camp punishment, where the kitten watches The Wizard of Oz over and over again till submitting to her handlers gives her true happiness. After she turns 18, the handlers repeat these steps to transform her from a manageable performer into a highly profitable object of fantasy. Usually, and rather shockingly, this goes off without a hitch. But in some cases, the young performer can't stand the confusing transition from tween star to men's magazine cover girl and starts to malfunction like the robot she essentially has become. This, of course, resembles the 2007 meltdown of Britney Spears. I'm reading this entire article, by the way. Uh, like Amanda, Why not? Britney shaved her head and dressed oddly. Uh, Britney was eventually placed on a 5150 hold in 2008 and has been under a conservatorship ever since, which isn't that different from that having a handler. Amanda's mother hopes to place her da- daughter under a similar conservatorship. When this, these parallel lives are held against each other, monarch mind control seems legit. Of course it does. Uh, the, the problem is once you pick up the monarch mind control hammer, everything begins to look like a nail. For instance, researching monarch mind control made me worry about Mariah Carey. I remembered Mariah's spectacular glitter breakdown, where she pushed an ice cream cart around the TRL set, stripped off her t-shirt, and repeated Carson Daly's name like a sexy automaton. 
I easily traced Maria, Mariah's meltdown to Mimi's first attempt at emancipation, her divorce from handler Tommy Matola. Mariah has been open about Tommy abusing her and controlling her, her career, but she didn't return to happiness till she was safe in the loving arms of her husband Nick Cannon, the chairman of Teen Nick. But this theory falls apart when, it, well, one I'll know when you realise almost all of Hollywood's supposed kittens are female. For example, many conspiracy bloggers have accused Katy Perry, who hasn't had a public breakdown, of being a kitten without questioning if the Illuminati practice was behind Justin Bieber's summer of pissing in buckets and spitting on fans. But this isn't surprising. Conspiracy theorists rarely see that male celebrities suffer too. In the 2000s, beefcake R&B god D'Angelo had a public break from sanity, <laughs> staggering around Richmond suburbs and asking for co cops for sex because of the sexual objectification stemming from the sexy video for How Does It Feel? Yet the conspiracy theorists never considered D'Angelo as a monarch mind control victim. His, break his breakdown's public account is taken at face value because he is a man, although Hollywood handlers sexually exploited D'Angelo as they mistreated Britney Spears and Amanda Bynes. Monarch mind control theorists claim they want to expose an Illuminati dystopia of shadowy handlers, but they're really claiming that every sex successful Hollywood starlet, regardless of if she or he hasn't been placed under a 5150 hold, is managed by a powerful male handler. After all, what would be a more attractive theory to a bunch of male nerds sitting behind computers than the idea that all powerful women are actually passive mind-controlled sex bots? There's the real conspiracy. Wow. Um, I just... Wait, wait, right, where is this place and where do I sign up? Uh, uh, that, that was an actual article on Vice.com by... Imali Martha, I just wanted to give that writer their full credit for that piece of journalism. Um, yeah. So, Monarch wow. Mind Control, now that we've, we, we have the context, which other actresses do you feel have been a victim of Monarch Mind Control? Well, it's got to be Lindsay Lohan, isn't it? Carrie Fisher. Question. Yeah, uh, Drew Barrymore. That'll do. Um, uh, could you have uh, for a brief amount of time Christina Ricci sure hold it back a little bit but she went a little bit off the off the rails for a little bit there um, Misha Barton she oh, went crazy, Misha Barton yep yeah, no true yeah she went fucking she went nuts um, Natasha Leo she went nuts uh -huh. She went nuts and took a dump on Michael Rathport's house. On it, on her, on his house. Michael Rathport um, owns a lot of properties in LA, right. um, and Natasha Leone was renting one of them uh, and was refusing. So are you not just saying? Well, rent. I think there's a difference between shitting on someone's house and going to your own toilet. No, 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 no. no. She, when she left, apparently she left her present for him. On the uh, in the hallway. Oh, when he got into the house after she'd left, after she'd been evicted, she left a present for him on the floor. Hmm. 
This is interesting. Monarch, Monarch Mind Control. I'd never heard of this before, but Frank... I, I, I hadn't. Frankly, this has elongated the questions section very nicely, so... Uh, we do have one more question. Okay, that... What the fuck? Yeah. Monarch Mind Control. That, that, I, I am literally going to be uh, researching Monarch Mind Control for the next week. I'm going to be talking about it at work tomorrow. My colleague Liam's going to get I, I, a great deal out of it, I think. I'm, I'm guessing that's in relation to uh, the Miley Cyrus thing. Oh, is it not Amanda Bynes? I mean, I just figured it was like maybe like has Amanda Bynes uh, gone mad this week or that? I, 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 no, she went, she went mad. She went mad a few months. I, I need ago. to Google this but now. It, it, it's the same thing as uh, it, it seems like that's exactly what's happening at Miley Cyrus at the moment. Uh, okay, she's. So, oh, she was involved. Fucking hell, she's involuntarily sectioned in rehab. Oh, yeah. I need to have a look at this more. Amanda Bynes having breakdowns and can't watch TV in therapy. Okay, great. Um, she's Fox Four One One is reporting that Amanda Bynes's recovery is moving right along, despite multiple reports to the contrary. Ah, oh, let's have a look at this. This is from classicallight.com, news commentary on classical music, jazz, theatre, dance and more. And then the headline is Amanda Bynes released from rehab in 2013, out of psych ward temporarily. Okay. Uh, numerous tabloids. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, what has that got to do with classical music? Well, that's a question. I, I, I do believe she's a noted jazz musician. Um, Hold up a second. I've just I've just found something about this. Oh, right, right. I found an article. Hide and seek the most blatant movie about monarch mind control ever. Um, Hide and seek is a 2005 thriller movie that did not get great reviews at the time of its release. However, chances uh, are more, uh, are most critics did under, did understand its symbolism and its underlying theme, which is about. Monarch programming. In fact, Hide and Seek is probably one of the most blatant movies about monarch mind control in Hollywood history. We'll look at the hidden meaning of the movie. Oh, I'm going to I'm gonna have to read this and then watch that movie. I think we've just gone down the rabbit hole. I think we have just gone down the rabbit hole. Uh, and of course, um, Hide and Seek is the 2005 movie which starred uh, Dakota Fanning and Robert De Niro. Yes, indeed. Blimey, Charlie. Um, ah, but I, I, I'm reading that and watching that film again this week, then. I, I will, like, uh, I'm going to... I'm going to get the art. I'm going to pick the article across to you now. I need to have a look at this. You know, we were going to run short this week, but maybe we're not now. Let's have a look. No, we're not. No. We've got to have a look do at this. Do you know what I think we should do? Do you know what I think we should do? I think we should both read this article this week and both watch... Um, <laughs> hide and seek and then what and then do a piece on how monarch mind control films next week <laughs> oh we've got to know what go on then <laughs> alright yes. so we're going to read this article about how hide and seek relates to monarch <laughs> mind control and then analyse hide and seek in the context of monarch mind control yeah, we're not going to review the film. We're going to we're going to highlight the bit. We're going to basically compare it to the crazy that is in this article. All right, I'm up for that. 
yep. for my sins. I hope that as well. Cool. Right, we do have one more question. Um, so we, we, we also had a question from, uh, Tom at Very Cinematic, which, um, frankly, we just talked about it for about 10 minutes and, um, I, I, I genuinely think if we'd, if we put out that full <laughs> thing, someone would have at David Cameron on Twitter and Mark and I would go to jail for a long, long time. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> Donna's just like come up. She's looking at me very confused. But um, yeah, no, sorry, that's not going out there. Mark knows what was said. I know what was said. Um, <laughs> it was beautiful. I- I'll say out of the four people that he mentioned, Samantha Cameron is obviously the number one. Mm. At is Rebecca Brooks the number four? Can we at least say that? Or would she be? Oh, without question. Yeah, yeah. all right. So. She's, 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 a, she's a big old four. Yeah. Um, so Tom knows the question, so he probably knows what the answer is now. But um, yeah, anyway, coming up on next week's show, Gravity. Is that what it's this way? Yeah. Yes, then yes. Cool. Um, we'll also be doing... Uh, we'll be reviewing Hide and Seek in the context of <laughs> how it relates to the theory of monarch mind control. Um, <laughs> and uh, we are actually going to do that as well. So uh, we are, yeah, uh, we genuinely are. And uh, we'll also um... <laughs> this fucking podcast, this podcast has just gone <laughs> um, went to dark places. And uh, we'll we'll do the usual stuff. I think I'm, I'm pretty much done. Sorry. Um, uh, yeah, Lauren, at Ian Laurie at dude the monkey dot com. at dude the I can't even talk now. At dude the monkey. Mark, anything else? Uh, no. Thank you very much for listening, uh, people. Um, any questions that you think of during the week, fire them across to us, and we'll keep an answer on the the next show. Um. Don't think got anything else to, to, to add. Uh, yeah, well, of course we'll be covering Kitty's Bang Bang. Yes, yeah, we will, we will, as well as as well as hide and seek in the context of the Monarch Mind Control. Um, so yeah, <laughs> Dude and the Monkey episode forty-one. Thank you very much, folks. Have a good week. Thank you very much. I'm off to go and check off of a picture of Samantha Cameron. I'm not. <laughs> Me, well, I don't know. Actually, quite. Annoying. Quite an attractive woman. <laughs> She's not wholly <laughs> dissimilar from your wife in some aspects. Whoa. No, she's not actually. Yeah. Great, that's going to pop it. I image going to pop it on my head later on, maybe. Good night. <laughs> Good night, buddy. Oh, no, so I was saying bye bye to people. But... Oh, he's still podcasting. Shit. <laughs> Right, cool.